as I was preparing these songs, I was, you know, reading the lyrics, and it says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. You know, that's what Christmas is really about, is about welcoming, welcoming Jesus, that He can come in and cleanse us from sin. And, you know, I knew old little town of Bethlehem, but... The real meaning of Christmas is right there in the words as well, that He's going to come in and cast out our sin. If we'll go to page... i got notes here. Um, let's go to page 117. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let's go to page 122, Silent Night.
mind singing the acapella, the chorus, one time, if Which, you don't mind? What, the, the last one? Uh, the last? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm, let me get my chord back right. Silent night, holy night, son of God, son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with Thank you very much. If you enjoy Jonathan and Caitlin coming and singing with us here at Riverside, I need you to do me a huge favor. Please let your deacon know. Please talk to your deacon. If you don't know who your deacon is, well, we got two. We got Brother Will, who's right up front here, and Brother Tracy, who's probably outside. He texted me a little earlier. He said he's stuck in traffic in Raleigh. If you know anything about Christmas traffic in Raleigh, well, let's pray for Brother Tracy. Amen? But if you enjoy them, be sure to tell your deacon. But most importantly, tell Caitlin and Jonathan what a blessing they've been to our church. Let them know. You ain't got to do it right now because we're getting ready to go to work. But uh, be sure to let them know. Where's all my kids at? Let me see your hands. Wave your hands if you're a kid. No, Troy, not you. Raise your hand. I see some kids. Well, tonight we got something very special for you. So I'm going to make sure you're good. If you're good, you get something special. But I'm going to have your parents let me know if you're good or not. Oh, so that means you need to pay attention and listen and be very polite and pay attention, okay? So tonight, if you would, grab your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter number 9. We're going to do a a couple of gymnastics here tonight. We're going to be jumping all over. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses tonight. Uh, As you know, it's Christmas Eve Eve, and the reason we're celebrating here, of course, not only because it falls on Wednesday, but we also celebrate the birth of Christ all through the year. And we always hear the phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, Jesus is the reason for anything. Amen? But tonight we're going to look at the dare situation how how humanity has fallen. We can actually uh, we can actually do a whole survey of the Bible but I don't think you have that kind of time tonight and we have little ones among us and I want to make sure they're good and they can get their prize whenever we're done tonight. So what we'll do is I'll go over a brief survey back in Genesis after humanity has fallen. You know the story where Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had messed up awfully bad and they needed a savior. Instead of God allowing them to eat from the tree of life, to go on living forever, for at that point, even though Adam lived to be in his 900s, he had not ate from the tree of life because if he had, he would be alive today for eternal life. But he ate from the tree of knowledge and sin. And he ate from that tree and God cast them out of the garden because that's God's mercy towards them, to let them die because He was sending a Redeemer. Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we can see 
rescuer. God is speaking to Adam and Eve. And He says, I will send a rescuer. I will send a redeemer. And throughout history of the Bible, the survey we read, that there has been people who have risen up and they thought that they were the superheroes that will save the day. Well, whenever Cain and Abel came along, Cain killed Abel, they thought, they thought well, humanity has certainly fallen. Who will save today? Eve even thought it was Seth. He thought She thought it was Seth that will reconcile all things, but it wasn't Seth. As time went on, they thought it was Enoch, but it wasn't Enoch. They thought it was Lamech, but it wasn't... It, it, was, it was not Noah who, who rose up. They even made prophecies about him, how he would save all humanity, but he was just a foreshadow of the one who will come and reconcile all things. After his sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah come along. Out of that family, there's another one who rises up, and it's Abram. They believe it might be Abram who will save everyone. But Abram was called out of the land of Uz and he was given prophecies and God sought to do him good regardless of what Abraham had ever done. And God blessed Abram even though he comes from a barren marriage. Through the womb of Sarai, he gives us Isaac. And Isaac, we believe that he might be the Savior who will save everyone, but it wasn't Isaac. Maybe it's Ishmael. No, it wasn't Ishmael. But now we see as the time goes on, Jacob rises up. He's the twin of his brother Esau. And God just sets in his heart to bless Jacob. It says in, the, in Romans chapter 9, Esau, I hated Jacob, I loved. And we get confused about that. How could God hate anybody? But what we should be concerned about is how could God love anybody? Anybody like Jacob, who was a swindler from the birth. He was born in iniquity like David spoke about. But God set his heart to love Jacob. Is Jacob the promised one? Of course not. It's not Jacob. So the story unfolds and then he has 12 sons. Then Joseph rises up. Maybe Joseph will be the one who will reconcile humanity. But it's not Joseph. He saves the family from famine in Egypt. Then as the, the, the years and the centuries go on, the tribe raises up into a family until they're in slavery. And God rises up a Savior in that family whose the name is Moses. Maybe Moses will reconcile all things. But it's not Moses. At this point, Moses brings the children of Israel through the leadership and the direction of God out of Egypt. And God, he, he just sits in his heart to bless Moses. And Moses is trusting God. Then God rises up Joshua. But Joshua is not the one who will redeem all his people. These men are instrumental through the DNA that they carry in their loins to a one who is greater. A greater order. Greater than Aaron. One who will, who will, who will reconcile and redeem all things as the centuries go along and as kings rise up we see great kings like David who prophesied about a king that will come that's greater than he then we see another king this wisest king probably who ever lived and that was Solomon but it wasn't Solomon it wasn't David it wasn't Jeroboam and Jeroboam his sons it wasn't any of the kings that came after these two that were failures then we see that the kingdom of Israel is overrun by the Babylonians we see prophets rise up and we believe it could be one of these prophets, but it's not one of these prophets. Then we get to the book of Malachi. Yes, I'm being brief. We get to the book of Malachi and there's 400 years of silence. God does not speak because He promised back in the book of Genesis there will be a Redeemer who will come and redeem humanity and save us. But who will it be? 
That's why we sing, oh, holy night, oh, silent night, because heaven was silent for 400 years. Yes, in the, in the, in the, the, the Bible that the, the Catholics use, they use, they have a section of book called the Apocrypha, and they do give about 400 years of history, but God does not speak through any of that. Only He speaks on that quiet night when that sky splits open and the angels herald His coming. We see in Isaiah the promises in the middle of the story of us doing the survey from the Old Testament to the New. We see in Isaiah chapter number 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and behold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I could break that down and preach this for a good year, but we're not going to do that tonight. I just want you to notice that he says of his peace there will be no end. Some of y'all was glad that 2020 is gone and we're about to flip the calendar. You think everything's going to change. But ain't nothing going to change but the calendar if you stay in your sins. If you stay living the same. But we see here that His peace knows no end. If you're lacking peace today, look to this promised one. Who is this promised one? Is it Barack Obama, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King? Is it, is it Confucius or Plato? No, His name is Jesus. As the story unfolds, I'll have you turn quickly to Luke. Luke chapter number 2 on the voice message tonight. You should have received a call from your faithful preacher. And he was telling you to read Luke chapter number 2. This is the birth of the chosen one. As we already heard that heaven was silent for 400 years and now a melody will reap through the air as angels who are in the pasture with the shepherds will sing of a joyous King who has come to redeem His people. I don't know how many this week were outside and saw the Bethlehem star. I mean, they're calling it the Christmas star. And it's possible that could have been the star. But I, in my personal opinion about Scripture, it was an angel. It was the Shekiah glory that led the people to Jesus. He shone down and said, here He is. A sign in the heavens that tell us that the King is here. But let us go examine this together. In Luke chapter number 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. We see even in biblical times, the government had complete control over people. We see here that the world was to be registered. That even Jesus humbled Himself as an infant, even with the power of the government. So Jesus could have been born in Caesar's palace, but He wasn't. He could have been born in the, the palaces of uh, India. He could have been in the, the, the Parthalismus in the, over in, 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 in Greece, but he, he didn't. He was born humbly. He gave up all those rights that He deserved and came humbly submitting Himself. And in verse number 2, this was the first restoration, restoration when Quarus was the governor of Syria. We see through history, we can pinpoint when this was because there's the governor and the restoration, or registration that comes forth from Syria. In verse number 3, And all went out to registered each to his own home, his own town. In verse number 4, And Joseph 
also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. But there was no room for them in the inn. You must remember that he and she had to go back to the home place, the old home place. They had to go back to their hometown. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, whenever, uh, like the song we sang earlier, that Jesus would come and cast sin out. At this point, they cast his parents out. This is family. Oh, you're here with her. Y'all are betrothed. Y'all are only engaged and she's pregnant. There's no room in this inn. It's not like the hotel, motel, holiday inn. That's not what it was. They was family. They met her at the door. Met him and her at the door. Said, y'all can't come in here with all that noise. Y'all need to go out in the back. There's room in the stable. Already, his reputation. Already, he was born into a, a, a dysfunctional family. If that's you tonight, welcome to the family. I don't know about you, but there's been many Christmases when we got together. I was hoping we can give everybody Prozac or something so we could all get along. But even Jesus understands dysfunction. I don't know about y'all, but we put the fun in dysfunctional, amen? But here Jesus understands it. Instead of the palaces of mighty kings and distinguished gentlemen, He is born in a stable. They wrapped Him in swaddling clothes. That's where they ripped their clothes and wrapped it around. I don't know if you ever had a child. If you swaddle that child, it calms them. But we also see that that's the way He'll die. When He is dead, they swaddle His clothes. They swaddle Him again, wrapping Him in a cloth to rush Him into the grave. But let me remind you, that grave will not hold Him. Ooh, but that's, that's Easter. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. Y'all calm down. For there's no room in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared around to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Why were they afraid? For the glory of the Lord is holy, holy, holy. This Shekiah glory is what they call it. The essence and His power and His might. Fill the air around them. Have hey, you ever been in an atmosphere where it's electric? I'm not talking about uh, hype. I'm not talking about goose pimples. Many people leave church and say, well, God really showed up today. No, if He really showed up, you would have died. That's how holy He is. So these shepherds are now filled with fear. They weren't gleeful, they weren't jolly, and they weren't happy. But God has sent His Savior into a dark and decayed world. And He just couldn't be quiet about it. It's sad that many Christians are quiet about it. But God will not. He is a preacher of our essence. He wants to tell people that there's a Savior and a Redeemer. And here, what we see is glorious because He doesn't go to the Senate over in Rome where all the dignitaries sit. He doesn't go to the ambassadors. He simply goes to the shepherds. These were the outcasts. These are the ones doing the night crew. They're the ones who work late at night. The blue-collared workers, their hands were callous. He comes to them. Later we will see where the kings will come. The Magi, we see where God comes for the least of these and the ones who believe they're greater than all. That God, He doesn't distinguish from tax brackets. He don't care about skin color or what you do for an occupation. 
I've got many people I know who do illegal things and they, they, they say, well, well, God show mercy on me. Yes. God shows mercy for the pimps, the prostitutes, the liars and the thieves, as well as the looters and well as the Black Lives Matters. He even loves the cops. He even loves the senators and the politicians. He even loves you and me. Hey, me and somebody. So we see the inclusiveness of Jesus. We see here that the angel said, the angel said in verse number 10 to them, Fear not. Ain't that good when God speaks to you and says, Fear not. Amen. Don't be terrified and don't be afraid. When there's meaning to be, when there's reason to be afraid. Why? Why would we be afraid? Many people who are atheists say they claim there is no God. They use the very, the very air in their lungs that God puts into their lungs to deny His existence. The reason they can't find God is the same reason a crack dealer can't find a police officer. They don't want to. They deny God with their voice. They deny God while they stand on the same they stand with the same body that God formed in their mother's womb. They stand there and deny him to his face, but he's long suffering and he's gracious and he's kind. Fear not. Thank God for those days where he bore with me and kept me and was merciful to me. I ain't you look at me and say, He's got it all together. <laughs> Don't let me fool you. <laughs> But he tells us here, don't fear. When there's reason to fear a holy God. I bring you good news. Not that God's coming to get you. God's going to strike you down like Johnny Cash sings. Here he says, I bring you good news. News of great joy that will be for all the people. That's good to me. That's good to me. We could use some good news. We can just, we just, if you watch the news, there ain't nothing good about it. It's good when you cut it off and go to bed, thank God. There ain't nothing good about it, but the good news is that you don't have to fear. In verse 11, for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, many people think Christ is Jesus' last name. If you were looking at the phone book, if you remember what phone books are, you, you're showing how old you are. If you look up somebody, you look at Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's His first name and last name. No, it's not His first name and His last name. Jesus is His name. Christ means the anointed one. So even when the pagan blasphemes His name and says it as a cuss word, they're acknowledging that He's God. Jesus Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Yeshua HaMashiach is how you say it in Hebrew. Yeshua HaMashiach is the Christ, the anointed in verse 12, this will be a sign for you that you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Behold, the king is born. You'll find him not in a palace. You won't find him at Target. You won't find him at Walmart. You won't find him in, in the capital of the world. You'll find him in a barn out behind an inn where the family rejected him and wanted nothing to do with him. That's why it says he came into his own and his own received him not. This Jesus, as we read in the book of John, John chapter 1, before all things were, He was. In Proverbs chapter number 8, He danced and sang as God created the earth. This Jesus who's incarnate, who's down to earth deity, that means He's God in the flesh. Instead of being pompous and having armies go before Him and proclaim, He simply sends angels to the field to tell the common worker that I have arrived. There was no parades. There wasn't even a heater. 
the Lord of glory comes down and lays in a trough. And we get mad when our iPhone ain't the color we got we wanted whenever we unwrapped that present on Christmas. The first sin was pride where Satan became proud and believed he deserved more and better. But our Lord is being an example for us. He is God. He stripped Himself down and humbled Himself like a servant coming forth as a baby in a manger. Let's really put that in perspective. Before we get concerned about new cars and new clothes and worried about going into debt, Jesus didn't come to have a holiday for you to go in debt. He came to pay your debt. Amen. Somebody somebody needs to grasp that. A lot of anxiety would melt away if you just read your Bible and saw Jesus as a Redeemer and a Savior. Trying to impress people you don't really know, who really don't know you. Who cares? you got a family to feed. Here we see... There will be a sign for you. In verse 12, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I remember when our children were born, we actually went to Once Upon a Child, spent a lot of money on diapers and changing tables. We, changed, we spent a lot of money on cribs. It had to be lead free. It had to be beat. I don't know, all the stuff. It, mobiles and stuff that glue into dark. It had to be certain plastics. And we had a diaper genie. We had a, a swing. But our Lord laid in a trough. Amen. There ain't nothing wrong with all that, but let's put it all in perspective. Jesus laid in a trough. Even later, He was a carpenter by trade. That means He could have built His own house. But when they went and asked Him, Lord, where do you live? Where do you dwell? And He tells His disciples, come and see. He had the skill to build a house, but He didn't worry about those things because they're fleeting. His mind and His heart was set on eternal things. Now, it ain't a sin to have a house or a place to live. But hold on loosely to those things. For our Lord was a carpenter and yet He didn't settle down here because He knew He was simply passing through. He even told those later, He says, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. You must understand He's a carpenter. He could have built a house. But that's not why He was here. He he could have opened a soup kitchen. I mean, he, He could take bread and fish and break it and feed the masses. But that's not why he came. He could have been a lifeguard. He walks on water, Will. I mean, he walks on water. But that's not why he came. He was a rabbi, a teacher. He could have helped us with our education. But that's not why he came. He could have worked for Habitat for Humanity and built houses. But that's not why he came. He came to save sinners like you and me. Here we see that. Here we see that this is the sign. The baby will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he'd be laying in a trough. And suddenly there was, with the angel multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. An angelic army, an angelic choir rises up and sing praises for God has done this miraculous work through a virgin child. Uh, basically, she was a child, maybe 12, 13 years old, young. I've seen some ladies who lose a cell phone. But here, this young lady is taking care of the whole Savior of the world. Let's put that in perspective. 
She put her reputation on the line by trusting God when He said that through you I will bless your people in the world. And she trusted God. The angels sing glory to God because He deserves all glory. It's His work. He did it. He's the one who deserves all the credit. So let Dale glory is what we say here at Riverside. And on earth, peace among those whom He is pleased. That God extends an olive branch of peace tonight to those who are rebels, those who are running from Him, who want nothing to do with Him. He sends His Son on a rescue mission to save sinners like you and me. Boy, that's good. If God simply stayed in heaven and said, you get to me, you come to me, I would have never got there. Amen. Are you hearing me? And I would have never made it to Him. I, I, I was too far into weeds. No, I went into weeds. I was in the thorns, in the valley. I was under the valley, in the pit. But He sought me out. Amen. He looked for me and saved me and snatched me in spite of me. I wish somebody could testify tonight and say, yes, I know about that ditch. It wasn't a ditch. It was a grave like we read in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, 20. I was in the dry dead bones and He spoke to me and I lifted up my head and I came to life at His Word because He's a life-giving God who redeems dead people who are in their sins. That's my God. In verse 15, and the angels went away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, let's go back to sleep. No, they don't say that. Let us go to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. If there's a movement in your heart tonight, a proning or a prodding of the Holy Spirit, seek this thing out. This Jesus who came to save me, i got to know more about Him. I guess I'll come back to church Sunday. No, don't, don't wait till Sunday. Do it tonight. Open your Bible. Examine who He is and His claims. Is it true that He was dead for three days? Is it true that He rose again? Is it true that He's alive today? Interceding on my behalf. That interceding word is a big word and I, I don't want you to miss that. Interceding means He prays for you. I, I'll say it again. I figured y'all be excited about that. He prays for you. That Jesus prays for you. Oh, that's good. For, can you say that again? Yeah. He prays for you. I got a mama. I love her. And she tells me she prays for me. That's good. And one day mama might not be here and she'll be in heaven. But I have an advocate with the Father that's better than my mama. Jesus prays for me. And if I could just hear for a moment what He prays, I can storm hell with Him. Gun. I ain't got to worry about it. I ain't got to worry about what the economy is going to do. Because if I know anything about my Jesus, is that He can get a prayer through. If He's at the right hand of the Father, sitting right beside the Father, the sovereign God of all creation, and they're talking about me, I'm going to be okay. Amen. Everything's going to be alright. It may not be peace on earth, but there's peace in here. Yes. So these... These shepherds go and they say, we got to let this be known to us. And they found with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. There was no gold. There was no frankincense at this point. There was no myrrh. It's just people in awe of a baby laying in a trough. If you walked upon this scene, you would say, this stinks in here. 
That what's that smell? Why are all these animals in here? This ain't like them pretty drive-through nativity scenes that people have in their yards and, and in them churches. This ain't nothing like it. What well, is the lighting bad in here? Uh, that baby ain't even glowing, y'all. He was just a baby in a manger, but he was God in the flesh. You couldn't see no halos on them or nothing. You just, you just knew that the promises of God are fulfilled in this one person, the name Jesus. And when they saw it, verse 17, they made known the saying which had been told to them concerning this child. They didn't hold it to themselves. The promises of God are all bound up in one person. The promises of God, y'all, I hope you understand what I'm saying, that, that we won't always be at war. You don't have to go to hell for your sins. That He will bear them in His body. His blood will be shed for you. He will be the Lamb that will bear your sins. He will be the sacrifice that will wash away your iniquities. They go and tell everybody. I figured it out, y'all. If you bear with me. You know why people don't evangelize and tell people about Jesus? Because they don't believe Jesus is who He claims to be. That's just the truth. If you really believed it, you would tell people. Oh, i got problems and issues. In spite of your problems and issues, come to Jesus. Don't come to Jesus for the blessings. Come for the blesser. Come for Him. Those things are byproducts of Him. Don't come to be happy. Don't come to be blessed, not stressed, and all those things. Come to Jesus. He's better than the gifts. Even if He don't give me nothing, I want you, Jesus. That's the true... True story of Jesus. The true story of Christmas is Jesus. Amen. We commercialize Christmas so much. And we take the focus off of Him. Well, it's really all about Him. Amen. Even the Gentiles sing about Him and they don't even realize it. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. Amen. Amen. We, we, he, we, they go and tell everybody about Him. And they all heard it, wondered at this. And the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. You know that song, Mary, did you know? Your baby. I hate that song. Yeah, she knew right here. Do you read it? Sometimes we sing stuff that don't make no sense. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she knew. She knew. Quit singing that. She knew. She knew she was holding the Lord of hosts in her arms. The one who hung the stars. She knew. She knew. Stop singing it. Amen. But Mary treasures these things up in her heart and pondered them in her heart. I don't hate that song or nothing. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just saying. This song is awesome, baby. It is. You keep singing it. Look at verse number 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. They give God glory. They give God honor. All right, y'all pull it back together now. They give God glory and honor and praise Him for what He has done. They hadn't even seen the part where He walks on water or causes the lame to dance or the one with palsy to be healed. They haven't even seen where the crippled are now put together and the broken and the shattered are put together piece by piece by His power. They hadn't even seen that. This is only the beginning. The only person to split time in two. Jesus. The only person who could save somebody like me. The only one. There's not a therapist alive. Dr. Phil can't help me, y'all. 
I tell you, Dr. Ruth, Dr. Spock, and all these doctors, they don't hold anything to the great physician. Amen. amen. Somebody, I really should amen that. Jesus. Amen. We see in verse 21 at the end of eight days. Now, y'all know why they, cru- they, uh, they circumcise children. It almost feels like I could imagine crucifixion. But they circumcise children on the eighth day because they didn't expect them to live past eight days. They didn't even name children until after eight days. Because in that time, it was normal to lose a child. But here on the eighth day, they circumcised Jesus. The reason they circumcised Him is that He would fulfill the law that was part of the Levitical law. He had already started His work even at eight days old. My Jesus was working for me. I need you to understand that I can't keep the law. Did you know there are 632 Levitical laws? We've gone over some of them. You can't eat trail mix. That's a sin. You can't wear a shirt made of two fibers. Polyester and cotton. Oh, you're going to hell. You can't have a cheeseburger. It's not kosher. These are just a few of the laws. So I need someone to fulfill all the laws. If you can keep all the laws good, you're going to heaven. But if you can't, you better know somebody who has. And let me assure you, it's not Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna, Confucius, Plato, Socrates, all of them. It's Jesus. Amen. He fulfilled the law perfectly. And those people who are preaching that He was a lawbreaker, no, He fulfilled the law completely. And if you want to understand that better, Jesus actually says, you have heard it said whenever He talks to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And He talks about how the the oral law of the teachers had took precedence above the laws of God. And He tells him that you took oral laws and just tradition above the laws of God. But I say, and He explains the law fully and clearly. And people don't like that, y'all. They don't like their traditions snatched out from under them. Do you know why they wanted to crucify Him? Well, one, he, he said, I am God and I'm bigger than the law. I've kept the law and I'm the lawgiver. Woo, Jesus, the lawgiver comes to fulfill what I could not do. Amen. This Jesus comes on Christmas. He comes on a rescue mission to save sinners like me. Amen. We talk about Santa and his naughty list. We have people who do good and people who do bad. We talk about that. But many people confuse God and Santa. Truth is, everybody's on the naughty list. There ain't nobody on the good list but Jesus. And fully to understand this theology, I know it's big theology, but there's little ears here and they'll understand that everybody's on the naughty list. And Jesus switched. God put the sins that I committed on Jesus. And then He didn't stop there. He took the goodness and the righteousness and the holiness of God and accredited it to me. Are you hearing me? When I deserved hell. Oh, that's so good to me. I don't know if you like it or not, but I, I sure do. Because I can't tithe enough to go to heaven. I can't attend church enough to go. I don't read my Bible enough to earn my place in heaven. It's only because of grace. No, we like to say... Not just grace around here. We like to say that's amazing grace. Mind blowing. I can't even wrap my mind around it. That the perfect Holy Son of God, the Lord of hosts, would step down out of the ivory towers of heaven, come upon this earth to walk among men who are depraved and wicked and lay Himself down for sinners like me. 
That's why we sing Silent Night. Because our breath is took away. We can't even, we can't even catch our breath when we think about it. Right. Holy Night. Used to, I would, I would hate to see Christmas roll around. And I'll give you one example why. It's because everybody pretends to be a Christian on Christmas. Have you ever drove by a house and seen that little manger scene, the little plastic baby Jesus out front? Eight pound, 32 ounce baby Jesus. He's wrapped in that diaper and he's glowing because I got that hot light bulb in him and Mary and Joseph is there and you drive out, oh, that's good. But people treat Jesus the same way in their lives because after Christmas or after the New Year, they'll take that plastic baby Jesus and throw him in the closet. Don't think about him until next year. Oh, we'll have people who are to like to make rib. If you heard me talk about it, it comes around once a year and we're supposed to get excited about it. I don't care about the McRib and McDonald's. It comes around once a year. Everybody, oh, the McRib, who cares? But Christians, so-called Christians, go to church once a year and they show up and we're supposed to get excited about it. When they hadn't served Jesus all year long, but they feel obligated on His birthday to stop by and drop a 20 and the golden plate that rolls by. That's not how it works at all. Let me bust your bubble if you're watching by television or listening by podcast or you're here tonight. That's not how it works at all. Amen. I'm going to bless Jesus with my presence of being here. Mark me off. That's not how it works. Jesus wants all of you because He gave all of Him. He laid Himself down for a sinner like you. And if you think it's okay to come once a year to come pay homage to the Lord of hosts, know that on judgment day when you stand before God, I will not be there defending you. Well, this preacher said, I don't have to go to church. Bring him up here. And I said, yeah, I, I did say that. Rewind the tape. But I said, you don't have to go to church. You get to go. Amen. Regardless of what Cooper says, you get to go. Amen. That's right. I don't know who that's going to make somebody mad, but amen. Amen. Either way, it's going to be standing, you're going to be standing for God on judgment. You will give an account for your sins. And you're going to need a Savior. Amen. It ain't going to be your preacher. It ain't going to be your deacon. It ain't going to be your denomination. It ain't going to be your best friend. It ain't going to be your mama and them. It ain't going to be any of your relatives because they're going to need a Savior too. You're going to need more than a stimulus check or a vaccine on that day. You're going to need a Savior and His name is Jesus. And if He was willing to do that for me, I'm willing to live my life for Him. If I had 10,000 lives, I'd live them all for Jesus. Tonight, I want to thank you for coming to Inside Out Service this Wednesday night here. And I do hope you walk out the door with a new focus on Jesus. Like I said, we've only got a week or so before this year is over. And I know a lot of people is going to go and start reading their Bibles, get excited, and they'll go back in the book of Genesis, and they'll start reading about, uh, about the, the story of Genesis. But I want you to remember, whenever God is there, it says in the beginning, God. The word God there is Elohim, and it's plural. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was God. And that means the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That Jesus was there in the beginning. And he knew that this would take place here on 2020. You'll be here on Christmas Eve Eve. And you would hear the story of how he, he was before all your troubles. He was before the economy started getting shaky. Before the presidential election. Before your depression. Before the surgery. Before the sickness. Before all that. He was and he is. Amen. And you know after you are gone and dead, he still will be. 
Amen. So put your hope and your trust in Him. Yes. When all around is sinking sand, on the solid rock I'll stand. Amen. Amen. Put your trust in Jesus. Tonight, I, I'm going to head and I'm going to ask you to pray to this Jesus. Maybe you ain't prayed all day. You've been a practical atheist. Believe in Jesus. Think about Jesus, but don't ever pray to Him or depend upon Him and lean on Him. I'm going to ask you to do that here tonight. Trust in Jesus. That you'll turn your eyes upon Him. That you'll focus on Him. Jesus, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I, I don't know what, what's going to be around the corner. But Lord, I, I'm going to trust in You. I'm going to lean upon You. 2020 has whooped me, Lord. But Lord, maybe I needed a good shellacking. Maybe I needed a good beating. Maybe I needed to be knocked down so I'll look up and look up at You. Maybe I needed all my trinkets knocked out of my hand. Maybe I needed I needed all my extra, extra activities just wiped clean and the collar wiped clean because I used that as an excuse not to spend time with you. Thank you, Lord, for 2020. Thank you. Thank you, really. Thank you. If it weren't out for the hard times, I wouldn't know that Jesus was faithful. Thank you for the coronavirus. Thank you for afflictions in my body. Thank you for sicknesses. Thank you for depression. Thank you for the pits. Thank you for the affliction. Thank you, Jesus. Because I would have never known that you're a healer. <laughs> I would have never known you were a counselor. I would have never known you're one who sticks closer than a brother. I would have never known those unless you had tested me. And Lord, now I know it. So I don't care what 21 has to offer. I don't even care about COVID 21, 53, 88, whatever. Come what may. Only the blood of Jesus washes away my sins. Only the power of His might is what upholds me and keeps me. So I do hope you're chomping at the bit to pray to this Jesus. So let's do it. Father, tonight I pray that you'll stir the hearts of your people. Stir their minds and their spirits. I pray tonight that they're excited about Jesus and what He has done. Lord, You said if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. And Lord, I've done my best tonight to lift You up. Jonathan and Caitlin have lifted You up. The amens and hallelujahs have lifted You up. So Lord, You draw. You draw them in. You scoop down and draw them out with Your hand. You save them. You redeem them because it's Your power and Your might. I don't want any hype tonight. I don't want any goosebumps. That's not going to be long-lasting. All the hype will die out before we get to the car to crank it up to go home. Lord, let it be something of substance tonight. Remind Your people that You've got us, that You hold us, and You keep us. That we can persevere because You're a God. Even if we're weary. Why we sing, I want to wish You a weary Christmas. Truly, Lord, it's a Merry Christmas in spite of it all. In spite of our brokenness, in spite of our poverty, in spite of broken promises and betrayals, Lord, we can look to You and know this is not our home that we're simply passing through. That You keep us and You hold us. And Lord, that You will keep us in this new year. That You'll keep Your hand upon us and we will focus on You and what's important. Thank You, dear Lord, for being faithful to us even when we're not. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said...